Hello, this is Jonathan Steele. Welcome to my show, Could You Be More Specific? Coming to you through the Stay Well Podcast. And on this episode of Could You Be More Specific? I'm going to follow up and do uh, a touch on Donald Glover's video. And the title of this video is, is What You See Is What You Get. And what I mean by that uh, is the peripherals of what we see from images and the messaging behind them, sooner or later... Those images are no longer what we see or what we perceive to see because uh, we all oftentimes end up getting sidetracked on other side issues. And on the follow up of that, what I'm also going to try and touch on is also with that same thing of what you see is what you get is on what's going on with Cardi B. But I'm going to start it off with Donald Glover. Now, it's been, you know, some time now since his videos dropped. More people have had time to digest some of the images that are behind this video and and what's now become the overwhelming distraction to what he was putting out which I thought was brilliant is his personal life and what I mean by that is is that we oftentimes do what we see in that video something more specific and more pressing is happening in front of us but we get caught up on a side secondary issue and it, and it happens all the time because as human beings, we have a tough time um, sustaining a certain level of an, a, of an attention span to really go after what's the real issue and what are some of the things that we can do to solve it. We'll get caught up on something that seems more simple and more digestive to us mentally. And I've, I've noticed that his personal life has become uh, now the main topic of what he's talking about, which I think is ultimately uh, a disservice to to what the video is really talking about. And I do applaud him that he's uh, decided to go ahead and just allow people to interpret it for what it is. And and what's brilliant about that is that he knows that that's what people are going to do anyway. So why would he give you a narrative direction of how he saw his art? Because then that's going to shape the way you look at it. You're going to view it the way you want to view it anyway. But in regards to his his personal situation, this happens uh, oftentimes a lot. And uh, one of the the aspects, I think, with this video that, you know, some people have talked about, and I know um, Charlamagne the God had some issues with it at first, but it's now looking differently with uh, some of the key parts that happened in the video. And I know Amanda Seal, she had an, an issue with the video, and I'm paraphrasing to a certain degree what she said overall with it being antagonistic. Now, I definitely can understand where that's coming from. But I think overall, he's just acting as the instrument to show you all these different situations uh, that are happening around us and around your perspective of how you see things. So if you're taking it all literally and not metaphorically, I think that's where you can end up having trouble with. But for the people that do have that idea that it's antagonistic, you could say that. I think that's very possible that, that you could say that. Uh, especially when you when it comes to the scenes of the church choir and also um, with the, the man that's sitting in the chair and he gets shot. Uh, a companion piece that I would want to say provide to that is if you watch his music video, I would say that there's a movie called um, Tales from the Hood and it's like told in four different chapters in it. And in the last story, it's a character that was played by Lamont Bentley, who's um, who's uh, on Moesha at the time. Unfortunately, he passed away uh, some years ago. But uh, he's a character that ends up 
getting shot. He's then put into a prison, and then they're they're going to end up putting him through a a testing, having him go through a testing process of trying to re- rehabilitate him or change him. But before then, he's he's in a cell next to a white supremacist. In, in their exchange of their uh, their conversation, that white supremacist uh, pretty much you know offers him a chance to join his army because he he already had a good feeling that the person that he killed was black and that. For any of the black people that participated in murdering uh, other black people, they'll get be, they'll be given the honor to live as slaves. And of course, you know, he didn't respond well to that. He punches them in the face and uh, they end up taking him out of that cell. Uh, the doctor who was uh, in that movie, her name, uh, her actual name, the actress's name was Rosalind Cash, I believe. And uh, she did that intentionally. And what she does is that when she does put him through that process, she shows him images of black men killing other black men, but also images of white supremacy. And you've seen the Nazis at seen uh, actually seen uh, the Ku Klux Klan uh, at their inception and all the different things that they were doing to black people. And then the film mixes images of, of the way black men were being killed by the Ku Klux Klan with images of how black men are killing each other in our neighborhoods. And it's a powerful scene. It's like a, it's a scene that's maybe about three or four minutes long. And if you watch it, it's one of those scenes that really stick with you. And I think if, if you guys were to watch that and you were to see that, I think that would really stick with you. And, And then if you watch his music video, then you can kind of look at it from another different perspective, because um, I don't believe in the term black on black crime. I'm obviously very aware that crime always happens in proximity of your communities. So do I think that's a term that kind of hurts us? Yes, it does hurt us because I don't think it, it, it it's the true it's a true uh, marker on where our communities are at in terms of what's happening to the men and women in our communities from uh, a standpoint of uh, the furtherment of our people. Because there's obviously a lot of different issues that contribute as to why our communities are struggling, why we're endangered in a lot of ways. But I think what that film was trying to show you was if, as black men, we are endangered species, then it, it doesn't help an endangered species to murder its own. You know, so... That's something to think about. Now, a lot of people may not agree with that. It's like, hey, are you condoning then uh, if someone of another race murders someone of uh, of our community? Absolutely not. But I think that's something that we have to to be aware of and think about, especially when it comes to us moving forward as a as a people. So that those are just some of my thoughts with that for the people that have that issue with the video and I think also in relation to his personal life, uh, I, I think you can get really sidetracked with that kind of stuff, too, because I know three, four years ago, I just I've, I've always known of Donald Glover. I, I just I never saw any black publications um, championing him in that way. He's never been viewed, to my knowledge, by black women as someone that they had a desire for. And I think that's something that's a real conversation, too. Now, it, it might be, say, a black women who were probably in the performing arts community or probably uh, I could see, say, a girl like, say, someone like Janelle Monet and that kind of crowd being um, attracted to, say, someone like Donna Glover, but just because of their worldview and probably their experiences that they've shared in the art world may be more similar. But if you're talking about a general overview, 
you don't really hear black women talk about him like that, especially before Atlanta, just because he was just a, you know, a silly, goofy guy in community. So if he were Michael B. Jordan or Lance Gross or Kofi, uh, uh, who played on uh, Girls Trip as the, the lead guy that gets Jada, then that's a real issue because they actually find those guys really desirable. And that's nothing against Donald, but that's just how that's the perception of it. So those are just some of my thoughts on on that. I wanted to touch on Cardi B uh, quickly because I, I, I find it fascinating. Like you knew sooner or later from a success standpoint, this was just going to come to her in terms of not everybody was going to be a fan or be on board with her. And I know uh, a lot of people have been kind of in regards to, say, Zalia Banks attacking her for being a stereotype and what in what usually ends up happening is when someone says you're a stereotype, that means you're someone that we have an idea of who you are because you fit something we've seen before. I think what's unfair to Cardi B is that if everyone knew that she grew up in the Bronx and and, and she grew up in an area that was very, you know, uh, challenged by a lot of issues, that doesn't mean that necessarily everyone that's from there is like Cardi B. And that's true, too. Uh, but as far as for what's been going on with her lately, especially in regards to Zelia Bates and, and some of the uh, character uh, assessments and some of the attacks that she's made on her, I think that that's a counterproductive thing. And that's another thing that a lot of times that ends up happening in our communities all the time is that no one in our community a lot of times, and I shouldn't say, well, let me stop myself. I wouldn't say no one. The majority of what we do to each other oftentimes is it's always aired to the public on how we feel about them personally and an example of that would be uh say when spike lee was having issues with with tyler perry for tyler perry it would have meant a lot to him that he would have called him and personally spoke with him and made some of his assessments and some of his suggestions on what he would like to see from him moving forward in terms of the kind of um material that he's doing and the way he presents that that's a fair assessment to publicly try and demean and dismiss someone who's succeeding at the moment, just perception-wise, and we all know that this is how this world goes, is off perception, it's not going to play well. And uh, in regards to Azalea Banks, if she truly wanted to see her make any changes or see her grow from her particular situation of how she sees her portraying women, then she could have did that privately. And then it makes it more authentic that when she does speak about it publicly, that then it holds more weight and value. For example, uh, Ludacris was not a huge fan of how Tyrese was coming at The Rock publicly because he felt like, hey, you don't one, you don't get into a man's business in terms of what he's doing financially and career moves wise, you don't do that. And if you have an issue with him, you voice that privately. Now, Tyrese's counter to that was, hey, I, I spoke with him privately, I didn't hear nothing back. But again, if you guys are a part of the same team and you guys are operating in a similar circle from a professional standpoint, it's just it's better to still handle that in-house and handle that with the company that you both are working with. So I, I give that example for the Cardi B situation and saying like, hey, if you're her and someone like Azalea Bates is making this comment, too, she's made a lot of comments ripping apart a lot of people. So this is nothing new. Um, I mean, she still, you know, says what she says about RZA. She still, is, you know, she's made comments about Beyonce in the past and she's talked about Rihanna. So, I mean, she's mostly known for ridiculing and, and harshly uh, assessing other artists in her industry. 
I don't really even know that much about her music. I know she does music, but if that's what you're mainly known for, then that's something you kind of might want to be interested in pulling back from. As far as Cardi B in in regards to her playing the certain stereotypes about, you know, that Azalea made about her and the way she talks to, you know, advocating for certain things, what she's talking about is really no different than what any artist has, uh, has voiced or advocated for. They have voiced or advocated for their experiences or or just should I say they're telling their story. If you're a young woman out there and you're and you just and you view Cardi B in the sense of someone that you want to emulate, I think you could emulate, say, her 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 energy and trying to stay upbeat and her attitude. You you shouldn't try and emulate and try and, you know, um represent someone's behavioral pattern, no matter what you view of them personally. Uh, there's a lot of people that I personally admire uh, from a, a, a working standpoint. Are there traits that I would like to inherit from them? Yes. Are there some traits about them personally that I could probably relate to? Yeah. In the end, I still need to be the best, best version of myself as an individual. And that's something that those people can't give me. Those, those are only things I can give myself. So those are just some of my thoughts about that. I promise I'm going to do another follow up to that very soon. Uh, as the situation with uh, Cardi B kind of moves forward. But those are just were some things that I have in my mind in regards to that. And as far as with Donald Glover, I definitely want to continue to probably follow up on that and pick up on it because uh, his video has done its job. This is something that's going to continue to be talked about for a long time. But uh, I want to thank all you guys that are taking the time to listen to my show. I want to thank D for putting this together. Looking forward to doing more of these podcasts. Look for my show, Could You Be More Specific, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Check out my man D's review on the Avengers. Hopefully you guys have seen that uh, already. So, you know, spoiler alert, you know, he breaks it down. Again, my name is Jonathan Steele. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me, and I look forward to seeing you guys real soon. (laughs) 